from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. This podcast is being brought to you by Joseph Presley at Four Corner Properties. Joseph Presley is the 2016 Recreational Real Estate Agent of the Year for Mississippi. If you are in the market for a piece of deer, turkey, or duck hunting property in Arkansas, Louisiana, or Mississippi, give Joseph a call. Joseph can be reached at 601-540-7240 or check out their website at www.4cplandandhomes.com. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, J. Paul Jackson. They spent... Listen to this, $1 million on ads against me in Iowa. Now here's the good news. They use the best pictures. I look so good in those pictures. I'm trying to find where they got them. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Jake LaTundras. Where are you going? Going west. Gotta go west. And Josh Webb. You don't say much, do you? Welcome to the On Next Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm J. Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rocky. We do goat shows every weekend, LaFleur. <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of funny when you, it, it sounds kind of funny when you say it that way. <laughs> I'm still laughing. You know, for those of you listening, so... We usually exchange pleasantries when we get ready to start one of these podcasts. We start recording before we actually go live. And uh, I asked Rocky what he's been doing today, and he said he's been talking to goat breeders. Why would you be talking to goat breeders? Well, I'm looking for my kids. I'm looking for their future 4-H projects, and that's what we show are goats and <laughs> you you thought that was pretty funny when you called me today, and I've been talking to <laughs> goat breeders. I'm glad to hear it's for your kids now, because when you said that, um, a, a story came to mind, and uh, <laughs> you may have heard it, but i got to share this with you. So, um, oh boy, he's driving down the road, and he said, uh, you see that big old skyscraper over there to his buddy? His buddy says, yeah. He says, you know what? I designed that, and uh, but nobody calls me Bob the designer. And uh, he said, "You see, you see that big old ship right out there in the harbor? I build that, but nobody calls me uh, Bob the shipmaster. And, and that bridge over there on the horizon, I built that bridge. He said, you know, nobody calls me Bob the bridge builder. His buddy says, well, where are you going with this? He says, well, you know what? You do all that and you get no recognition, but you have sex with one goat and they call you. <laughs> and I can't finish it out, but I think you get the idea. <laughs> oh, I hope nobody's offended by that, but I just thought about that when you said goat breeders. Oh, I thought about poor Bob. <laughs> wow. No, 
that was horrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that, that, that's probably one of the best jokes that you've ever ever told that, I, that I've heard you tell. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. That that was really good. <laughs> oh my well, gosh. Uh, gosh, I well, look, that I, I will say this. Time. Tell everybody this. Look, if, if Jay Paul sounds a little off today, Jay Paul's on the road. He left his headphones that we usually record with at home. It, it's a little bit of difference in your sound. I will go and get that out there, guys. Uh, I mean, it, it's not as clear as it normally is, but I mean, you sound good. Don't take that the wrong way, Jay Paul. Hey, I've got a question for you, Jay Paul. I've become I've become a city person in the past couple of months, and you know, uh, you were a city yeah. person, weren't weren't you living in Morgan City? Oh my God, no, <laughs> not at all. Hey, the name of it's Morgan City. Only twenty eight people may live there, but it was Morgan City. So I, I know what you're saying, Rock. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, uh, I'm going to ask you this. I want to ask you a driving etiquette question. You know, right now Oxford's really busy with uh oh, with graduation traffic, all the people that are in town for graduation, baseball weekend. Something I've noticed over the past couple of weeks though is I've always done the courtesy wave. You know you know what I'm talking about? If somebody lets you in on a busy street, you throw yes, them a sir. courtesy wave. Yep. And it's something going on these days up here with these the younger crowd, nobody's been taught to do the courtesy wave. No, Am I wrong probably, in that? No, I mean, it's the same generation that wears flat bills, you know, cops sideways, uh, comes right in and has no duck hole etiquette and sets up right on top of you in public land. And, you know, you, you let them in in traffic being nice. And, uh, you know, they think it's like an entitlement mentality, I think. You know, it's crazy, but you're exactly right. I can always remember my mom and dad. If somebody let them in, you know, busy traffic, and you got to excuse me, man, my sinuses are crazy. So if I sound a little off myself today, it's because my sinuses are stopped up. But anyway, you know, growing up, I can always remember my mom and dad, you know, being in, wherever we were in traffic, if somebody let us in, we, you know, we'd be like all, Throw y'all wave to that guy. Tell him thank you. The the hey thank you. You, you know hey, I, I even catch it. I even catch myself when I'm doing the courtesy wave. I say hey thank you like they could hear me. <laughs> That's not crazy though because I do the exact same thing. You know I'm on the highway a lot, and and you'll be you know you'll come into like a construction zone where it's bottleneck and maybe you're in the right lane and the right lane is closed ahead and you've got to get over into that left lane and you'll be sitting there with your blinker on and, and, you know, and you know, man, unless I'm really frustrated, as soon as I see that change lanes, I start trying and I try to avoid, and I'm usually driving a big truck, you know, either my, my chassis mount dog truck with a trailer behind it or my, my, you know, crew cab, uh, diesel with the trailer behind it. I try to never, even though I've got a big rig, I try to never muscle in, but wait for somebody to let me in if I can. And when they let me in, as soon as I pull in in front of them, I roll down my window. I throw my hand out the window to wave at them. And I I audibly say out loud, say, thank you. Even though there's no way they can hear it. It does sound crazy, I guess. But, you know, and that's the courtesy way. 
But fewer and fewer but, people do that. Hey, you brought days. up a good one, Jay Paul. You brought up a good mm-hmm. one. There is nothing worse than the person where you know the road's closed ahead, where it's bottlenecking like you're talking about, the guy that zooms ahead, and then he, he gets up to the very front and he turns his blinker on. Do you let that guy in after he zoomed by you 60 miles an hour? <laughs> Not just no, but hell no. Not at all. I mean, I, I will, I will absolutely, I will absolutely not do it. And, and also, uh, the guy that tries to come around on the shoulder, dude. If, if if I see him in my rear view trying to come around everybody on the shoulder, I will, I will pull my rig over onto the shoulder. I will get right up with the car that's in front of me or behind me to shut it down, and I will just ride there. And you know what? <laughs> he is not going to come around us that way. Uh, I it will say happened. this. Hold, let me tell a story real quick. I was with Jay Paul, and Ryan was with us. Um, coming back from South Dakota, we're coming through Kansas City, Missouri. I don't know if you remember this. I'm in the front seat. Ryan's in the back seat. You're driving. And a guy tried to pass us on the shoulder. It's funny that you bring that up oh, yeah. because we were pulling a dog trailer. And you yep. pulled you you pulled over and would not let him pass on the shoulder. You're like you're like you're not getting around me, asshole. <laughs> I forgot that I've actually done that with you in the truck with me. But yeah, I mean, I'm just not, you know, I don't know, man. It, maybe it's being a parent, you know, but it's trying to teach your kids manners and and lead by example. And I'm certainly not the best example. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there listening that know me and could tell some crap on me that I wouldn't want told. But, but you know, you got to try, you know, to, to to do that. And it really frustrates me. Rude people, you know, and particularly now that I've got my babies in high school, the very last one, you know, and, and, and she's got some decent leadership skills. And, you know, you just you try to impart that to your kids. And so, you know, there's some things I just really, and you know what's worse? I know I'm rambling here, but as I get older, Rocky, it gets worse. I am becoming that sometimes assholeish old man, you know. No, you're not going to come around on the shoulder, butthead. I'm going to block you off and shut you down. I wouldn't do it to somebody else, and I'm not going to let you do it to all these people on the highway. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I can't remember exactly what happened after you did this, but this guy. He acted a fool after you did it. And, man, I have never freaked out in my life driving. You and Ryan were fine. You're like, oh, who cares? we got a gun full of trucks. I mean, a truck full of guns. It doesn't matter. And I am freaking out. I'm like, Jay Paul, that guy's fixing to kill us. I don't know. <laughs> he, was, he was. He was waving at us with one finger. And uh, maybe that hey, wasn't God. a wave. But, yeah, he was flipping us off. He was. I could see him cussing. cussing. I mean, he was really, really giving us a hard, hard time. But, yeah, I don't care. You know what? I'm not scared. Hey, hey, talking about Hannah real quick, I, I, but, you know, we've got a guest coming on in just a minute. But before we do, uh, tell, man, tell everybody what's going on with Hannah. God, what an end of the year she had with oh, softball. Man. <laughs> man, I don't want to brag. But I'll tell you what I am saying. I guess your children and your dog. You can brag on, because I know I like listening to my, I like hearing you tell me about 
all the great success that your kids have had at 4-H and goat showing, which that's for another show. <laughs> Rocky's kids are are very young, and some of the older kids like have this grudge thing against them because they've been so successful. But I think that's great. But anyway, Hannah, yeah, we just finished up the regular season in softball. Uh, you know, at Dyersburg, we won the state tournament three years ago. Uh, made it back to state last year and finished, I think, fourth or fifth. And uh, Hannah's a junior now. She started up varsity since her very first game of her freshman year. Um, we won the regular season district title, and we just won the district tournament uh, night before last. I couldn't be more proud of her. Um, this year, Hannah, they converted her to a third baseman. And uh, she was awesome, man, Rocky. I mean, what a wonderful year at third. Her fielding percentage was Hold off on. the she chart. Got, she got infielder of the year for yeah, the – <laughs> Yep. All district. She was she was uh, uh, first oh, team all district. It, there, there's a little backstory to this that uh, – I know Jay Paul's probably not going to want to get long-winded about this, but Hannah – was a pitcher and an unbelievable pitcher at that. His his youngest daughter, and she hurt her arm, and she couldn't pitch anymore. Is that right? And they moved her to the infield. Yeah, well, she's always been an infielder. She either played first or she pitched. But yes, Rocky, she's uh, she started. I tried, um, I, I tried to bat against her one day when I was up there. I went to the field and practiced, y'all, <laughs> and she pitched to me. And I couldn't hit the ball to save my life. That was hilarious. And anyhow, and that was when she was about 14 also, and now she's 17. And, yeah, she's played uh, 18U uh, Class A travel ball since she was 14U as a pitcher and first baseman. And, you know, she's fearless and has led every team pretty much she's ever been on up until this year in the hit-by-pitch category. And she got hit by a pitch in her freshman year on her pitching wrist, and it bothered her for months. And we found out going into her sophomore year last year that she uh, had torn cartilage. And so this year going into her junior year, man, I was really concerned because she didn't know still if she even wanted to continue to play ball in college. And uh, luckily, um, we needed her at third. And so, yep, uh, couldn't pitch anymore. He took advantage of that, the coach, and moved her because she is so fearless to third. And uh, she has been phenomenal. We've got our regional tournament starts Monday night. I don't want to jinx her, but through the entire regular season and district tournament from third to first, she had one throwing error. And uh, her fielding percentage is well over 900. Um, at the awards ceremony after the district tournament Wednesday night, she was named the all-tournament team. Uh, made some freaking ESPN catches, batted over 450 in the district tournament. Um, I think it was over 400 in the regular season. Made first team all district for District 13 AA here in Tennessee. And the thing I'm most proud of as a daddy, uh, my little girl, first year ever as a third baseman, won the all district infielder of the year award out of all those infielders and all those teams and uh pretty dang proud everybody yeah that was awesome man 
so are we looking at any colleges or is any colleges looking at her? Well, you know, it's funny because she gets loads of stuff from colleges every day. She's got a 30 on her ACT and a, a 4.0. And, uh, yeah, a lot of small colleges. Um, Jackson State has also uh, shown a lot of interest in her. Um, got um, a letter the other day from first big college from Ole Miss. And uh, really excited about her future. So, yeah, she's got a few this summer. You know, uh, based on the advice of you and a bunch of other folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get her in a bunch of camps. I'm going to send her down there to Oxford. You're going to have to watch out for her while she's down there at Ole Miss's summer camp. But, uh, well, I think I think it kind of surprised you the other day when I told you I'd been going to all the softball games. It blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, blew my mind. But I'll tell you what, it's super exciting. Ole Miss and Alabama has been postponed for rain, but they're about to play here in just a little bit. So... Well, anyway, we look, thank you for giving me that opportunity, but I, I want to get off this. Let's, let's go to duck hunting. And um, I got a really special guest because um, I kind of got it in my mind, and I really hadn't even talked with Rocky about this, but I kind of got it in my, had it in my mind. You know, we've hunted all these great places all across the country, and I've got to take you on a few of them, and now that you're no longer guiding, we're starting to plan some major trips for this winter. Um, so over the next few weeks, for you guys out there that listen to us, I want to give you some exposure. Now, we talked about it just a couple weeks ago, but now is the time to start booking for this winter. And uh, so we're going to try to hit each flyway maybe a couple of times and talk about some bucket list you know, locations. Um, and Benelli recently, I think a lot of our folks have seen the uh, little special that they ran, um, Sportsman Channel to Kill a King. You know, King Otter is on a lot of people's bucket list. And it just so happens that one of my good friends that I've hunted with a couple of times, both in Utah and Idaho, Captain Tony Smith, um, is also a guide in Canada. And I thought we'd maybe get Tony on here to talk a little bit about the hunting in, you know, Utah, where I took you and you hunted out of a bottle layout boat that he made. And uh, but a lot about Alaska, because it's a lot more affordable and attainable than most people realize. And a lot of really neat hunting opportunities that you just can't get in the lower 48 are available for waterfowlers in Alaska. So um, I'm about to text Tony and ask him to go on and call in right now and uh, talk with us a little bit about that. And Rocky, I need you thinking about some of the places that you want to hear about and some of the people that we need to hook up with over the coming weeks. Need to get Sean Beaky back on here. Definitely need to get Sean back on here. Need to get Brad Albeck back on here. Next week we're going to be or week after, depending on what you've got going on, we're going to be joined again by Scott Bice, uh out in California. He's still got spots left, he was telling me, for this season. And uh got to get with uh, Scott, hear a little bit about the opportunities in California, just kind of start on the West Coast and move east. Hey, let me tell you a funny story I'm waiting on. Well, there we go. Uh, not this year. Yeah, you can tell it to both of us if you want to. 
but I think that beat means that we have been joined by my good friend and diver freak, literally. This guy is a freak for shooting diving ducks, Captain Tony Smith. What's happening, brother? Not much. How you doing, Jay Paul? I'm doing great. Welcome to the show. And on the line with us here uh, from the uh, Duck South Studios now in Oxford, Mississippi, we've got my co-host, uh, Rocky LaFleur. Rocky, meet Tony. Tony, meet Rocky. Nice to meet you, Rocky. Good to meet you, bud. Glad to have you on here with us. Glad to be on here. Yeah, man, we were just talking before you joined us, Tony. Um, we have listeners from Coast to Coast, but, but our core group comes from DuckSouth.com, which is a website that's dedicated to Southern duck hunters. And we try to expose our people to opportunities, you know, outside of our general area. And uh, starting with you this week, over the next few weeks, we're going to be having uh, a number of guests moving from West Coast to East Coast, telling us about hunting opportunities in their area and what they do. And so you're number one since you're technically Alaska would be the furthest west and the furthest away. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you've got going on for this winter in Alaska. Yeah, what I what I got going on is I'm starting a, a guide service up in Cold Bay. Uh, I feel like you know I've been to Alaska five or six different times all over it, and uh, Cold Bay seems to be waterfowl mecca up there. And there is a need for a high end guide service, not that only just for guiding, but we're also going to offer self guided hunts up there. Um, some of the things that <clears throat> you can hunt up there as far as waterfowl is they got 160,000 Pacific Brant that winter there. That's wow. like the whole that's the whole Pacific population goes through there. And not only that, there's three species of Canada geese that are there. You got the Taverners, the uh the Cackler and the Aleutian and their estimated populations right around 80,000. So there's a lot of those that you can hunt. But not only that, you have almost every species of puddle ducks, divers, and sea ducks. I mean, you got harlequin, Pacific eider, black, white-winged scoter. And if that's not enough for you, ptarmigan, ptarmigan up the yin-yang up there. So, you know, a lot now that's of, a bird, not a water, not waterfowl, but upland bird, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, once you hit your possession limit, you got to go do something. So you can go shoot some ptarmigan. <laughs> and then, you know, we also offer fishing trips, uh, world-class Arctic char and silver salmon up there. Uh, we offer some cast and blast between uh, first of September all the way through October. So, you know, I'm pretty confident you're going to hit your possession limit while you're up there, and you don't want to be sitting in the lodge. You might as well go out and do some fishing, world-class at that. Wow, that's pretty cool stuff. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the guys that are listening, uh, to kind of give them a geographic sense, Cold Bay is very is adjacent to Dutch Harbor, where deadliest cast catch uh, originates from is that correct it's it's pretty close to it you're about 100 miles away if you follow if you go from anchorage and go about 600 miles west you're on the the uh <clears throat> oh Aleutian uh create having a brain fart today i'm sorry about that <laughs> and you know it's podcast so you can say fart <laughs> <laughs> don't get me going i might not stop oh no heck no no my gosh Anyway, you're, you just can't use mother as half of a word while you're on here with us. 
Uh, yeah, I won't use that. <laughs> anyway, you're you're six hours from Anchorage, and you're not actually on an island. You're still on the landmass that goes out right before you hit the Aleutian Islands. It's actually the basically the Alaskan Peninsula. Peninsula. Now, what? How how are you hunting most of the time? Is it is it out of on dry land, or is it is it in? So you know, it all all the boats. It it all depends on the situation. I mean, the wind blows up there crazy every day. So if you get the really high high winds, we're going to be on the shore, and ninety percent of these birds hunting them are conducive to the tide. So you're going to want to be at high tide, and they're going to be coming into the shore to hunt. Low tide, and we're going to have to find some different things as far as layout boats, stuff like that. So, you know, depending on what species, if you're hunting sea ducks, we'll be out of a big boat out in the open water, possibly layout boat. Uh, we have two men up there, so buddies can hunt together. But more or less, Bree, the brant and geese will either be hunting out of shore or, which a lot of people don't know, they actually fly up and eat uh, blueberries out of blueberry patches. We'll hunt them in those fields as well. What? Yeah, and they taste wonderful. Oh, I can imagine if they've been eating blueberries. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man. Well, you don't know this, Tony, because I didn't tell you before, but um, Rocky actually, two years ago, I, I took him, uh, I think you were working out in California. I took Rocky out to Salt Lake City, and we are uh, in the same area where you and I killed all those uh, green wing teal. Mm-hmm. Um, we went out with some of the Excel and Mud Buddy guys. Uh, on the Great Salt Lake, and he actually hunted out of a layout boat. I think one that you'd built. Now, was that your first time, Rocky? Yeah, that was the first time. That was a cool hunt. You know, everybody should do that one time. Yeah, I mean, you know, layout boats is layout boats, but if you come to Utah and hunt out of one, it will open your mind. I mean, it it just blows you away the the how many birds we have here and how easily they do decoy. You know, it, it amazes me when people in the South think about waterfowling that we have, uh, I'm probably going to make people mad just listening to this, but we have a little bit of arrogance when it comes to waterfowling. We we think that we have it all here in the South, but <laughs> there are a multitude of opportunities outside of Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Missouri to kill a lot of ducks. Yes, and, you know, I mean, Jay Paul knows that firsthand, all the traveling he's done, and I've been fortunate enough to travel from coast to coast, too, and, you know, we always think that our backyard is the best place to hunt, and it probably is because we have it figured out, but I'm telling you what, you travel to some of the Midwest states, the West states, Alaska, it it just opens your mind and blows you away. You know, you're so right, because, you know, on, um, on some of the old forms, which, of course, most of them have died now, but... You know, refuge form back in its heyday. I mean, your handle was diver freak, and I never really understood it until I got out there and and got to hunt divers right in the center of a, several strings of decoys. You know, and out of a layout boat. And Rocky, you did it with me there, and you know, seven ducks a day. Very challenging shooting. These birds finish. A lot of the time, you know, you'll have them feet down 15 yards in front of you coming right in on top of you. 
I tell you what, for those guys that think the only way to hunt is standing next to an oak tree kicking water, you know, because <laughs> ducks finish and work, it's mind-blowing. Right. I had just as much much fun shooting cans and redheads out of those layout boats out there at the Great Salt Lake as I've ever had in any flooded oak timber in Arkansas. You know, it's just a different thing. Yeah, and, you know, I I don't turn down any type of hunt. I like everything. But when I think back to when I was 12 years old on my first hunt and how giddy I was and the and drilling flowing and just feeling it, that's how I feel about diver hunting, and that's why I'm called the diver freak because I act like a 12-year-old kid every time I go out. <laughs> I can attest to that. I've seen you go into child mode. But, man, you're a shooting kid. Oh, my, Rocky, this guy. He was making shots on birds out of these layout boats. I couldn't believe. And, uh, you know, it, it's a challenging way to shoot. It's something somebody should tr- everyone should try out there in Utah. But I want to get back to Alaska for a second because one of the things that you told me earlier um, a few weeks ago when you were telling me about what you're doing in Alaska, they got me excited about having you on here was the fact that you're running a high-end guide service, but you also have the ability to accommodate the guy that wants to go self-guided. Yes. And I, I thought that was really, really cool because there are a whole lot of guys out there that really don't care a whole lot about going on a guided hunt. And sometimes they don't check out new things and new destinations because they, they, don't, they want to do it themselves. You've got that opportunity for those guys, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm with you all the way there. I mean, I do not want to go somewhere and have to pay someone to show me how to hunt because, you know, after 32 years, I should know how to hunt ducks. That being mm-hmm. said, you know, a lot of people go up to Alaska and pay a guide because they want to get on the birds, and I get that. But then there's guys like a few of us that they don't want the help. They just want to be able to have a place to stay, a nice three meals a day, and have access to a boat and decoys, and they want to go do it themselves. And we're trying to make that happen because, one, it's more rewarding for the person, and, two, not everybody can afford a high-end hunt, especially to Alaska when you're talking two different planes at times. Sure. And just getting your gear out there. Yeah, I mean... You know, sometimes it's a roll of the dice, depending on what time of year and what the weather's doing, if it's going to show up with you. Well, tell us a little bit about the calendar. I mean, how's it spaced out? When do you hunt what? I know that if you want, um, from what I understand, if you're looking at King Eider, the time to go is uh, during December, correct? It's actually the, the week after Christmas up on St. Paul Island as uh, when the birds actually are show up in big numbers and it's open till I believe this year, the second week of January. So it's like about a six week uh, span where you can actually hunt them. You can wow. hunt them earlier, but they're not there. So there's no sense in going. I would never, I never think that it'd run that long. That's, well, that's crazy. Yeah. Alaska is kind of different. It's It's got three different areas like uh, Cold Bay where we hunt opens up September 1st and closes December 16th. So, cause we're still in the Pacific flyway. So it's 107 days and St. Paul Island's the same thing, but it opens up early and yeah, you can shoot a few vagrant uh, puddle ducks there and some Aleutian till, but the King Eiders, they just don't show up till around the first of the year anyway. What's the weather like during that time? Uh, I always refer to it just like Utah, just windier. I mean, you're probably 
32 for the low and mid anywhere from low 40s to low 50s for the high, which, you know, coming from Utah that time of year, it's actually warmer, but the wind, the wind will just kill you with all that humidity and cold. Wow. Now, if you, if you were a guy and you wanted to go to Alaska and, uh, you know, lots of folks want to go for King Niners, but it's a very, it's a very limited window and limited opportunity. There's loads of opportunities on Puddle Duck, on Brant, on Canada Geese, as you told us earlier. Um, when would you want to go? Uh, you know, the prime time to go to our outfit on Cold Bay would be mid-September till 1st of November if you want to just get into the Brant and all the divers and Puddle Ducks. Typically... A little bit later, like around the middle of October, end of November is when all the sea ducks show up in that area, and that's when we kind of go full force and gravitate towards that. But that being mm-hmm. said, you know, in Alaska, you can only shoot sea ducks four of each species, and you're done for the season. And it usually doesn't take too long, so you're still going to have two or three days. You can go back down and shoot brant as well and puddle ducks and divers. Cool. Cool, man. We've really enjoyed. I know you're at work right now and you're on break, so you gotta go. Rocky, hey, you got anything me, else, Tony? I've, I've got yeah. I've got a couple of real quick questions. Uh, sure. Website or Facebook where we can find out about those hunts? Yeah, um, website is www.coldbayoutfitters.com. And, and I know that people are going to wonder this, but minus minus the airline tickets what what would a hunt cost uh, we're starting out uh 1995 that's full guided hunt this year we got like about three weeks we're going to offer that to get people up there that want to get new and you know that want to go to alaska the first time uh, we feel like that's pretty reasonable and that's hotel or that's actually our lodge uh room three square meals a day and they're going to be hearty meals especially for you southern boys and, uh, you know, pick you up at the airport, take you to the lodge, take you out hunting every day, and that's going to be for five days. And gotcha. Usually, I mean, just crazy, I know that you're not a poor uh, guy or airline or salesman, but, I mean, what does a ticket on average cost to get up there? All right, well, for me, from Utah to Anchorage is 600 bucks. which, you know, if you shop around, you can probably get them a little cheaper. And then from Anchorage... To Cold Bay, you're anywhere from six to nine hundred bucks. But here, here's the kicker on that: if you'll get online and get a Alaska Airlines credit card, and as soon as you get it, you get like fifty thousand. It's either twenty thousand or fifty thousand sky miles. If you'll get that and make a house payment or two and pay it off and just use it a few times during the summer, you'll basically have a round trip airline for trip for free off that. And we tell a lot of our customers to do that. That way the airfare is free and that's not an additional cost to them. Wow, that's a great idea, Tony. Now, let me go hit that one more time because I'm doing the math in my head. So $19.95, $2,000 per yep. person, and that includes how many days hunting? Five days. Five days hunting, three meals a day, guide. So basically it's about 400 bucks a day. Alaska. Yeah. yeah. It's not bad at all. No, and, and <laughs> no that's like, amazing. I would have never thought that. 
Sign me up. I'm ready. We just want to get people up there and let them, you know, enjoy what we have to offer. And, I mean, if you've never been to Alaska, you got to go once, especially if it comes to waterfowling. There's nothing like it. Wow, that is really, really neat. And, uh, Rocky, let's look at the calendar when we hang up here and figure this trip out. Yeah, sounds good to me. It's not bad. It's not bad at all, really. No, that's less than most guys' services around here when you put lodging and meals into it. A lot less, actually, than some of them. That's a mind blower there. Wow. Well, man, Tony, thank you so much. I know you're at work on break right now. I'm really looking forward to getting out there and uh, can't wait to get back with you and get out there chasing them again, buddy. Hey, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, just get a hold of me, and we'll make it happen. All right, guys. Captain Tony Smith, Cold Bay Outfitters, coldbayoutfitters.com. Thanks, buddy. Have a great day. Yep. You too. Nice meeting you, Rocky. Thank you, bud. Dude, $400 a day? Tell me that's not bad at all. I mean, that's one of those lifetime hunts. I mean, you'll do it probably one time to go up there and kill all the different species. Wow. And, uh. Yeah, I really didn't know that when we when when I asked him to be our guest today. I, I just I like Tony. He's a killer. He is a diver freak. He has an enthusiasm for hunting that is unbelievable. And Alaska is something that I've always wanted to do. So I thought other folks might find it interesting. Now, with that in mind, I'm really thinking I'm, I'm need to get online and apply for an Alaska Airlines credit card. Start earning sky miles for that free ticket. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. No, I mean, that was, when he said that, that was, Alaska Airlines flies into Memphis, I believe. That was a great idea. That's the way, that's the way to do it right there. And then, you know, you just go buy all your groceries for a few months with your credit card instead of, instead of your debit card, pay it off every time, earn those miles, and, uh, Convert it. That's that's kind of I don't know. There may be a bunch of guys that do that around the country and, and often suggest things like that. But to me, that's kind of thinking outside the box. Well, I, like I said, I would love to make that trip just one time, just to have some of those species mounted. I think that'd be pretty cool to do. But yeah. Me and you well, both. I uh, want to check. I want to check it out. I want to go. Well, look. Before we close out today, I, I was going to tell you a story before Tony came on, and I, I'm going to go on and finish with this. Finish so the other, story. Yeah. So let me tell you what happened. So the other day, you can go to school uh, during lunchtime and eat with your kids. I'd well, love to do that when mine were in grade school. You can do it here in Oxford. Well, oh, I love that. Um, I'd have my two huge cups of coffee that morning. So when I got to the school, I had to go to the restroom. And mm-hmm. this, this has probably happened to you before. So anyway, I go in the restroom, and, and my youngest, Taylor, had to go to the restroom also. And I told her just to wait on me when I came back out. I shouldn't even been telling this on the podcast, but anyway. <laughs> so I went to the restroom, and... I guess after I got through using the ba- the bathroom, you know, uh, the the shakedown, the shake off, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got. I got. Doesn't a matter how dribble. much you wiggle and dance, the last drop's always going to fall in your pants. <laughs> what a saying. That's awesome. <laughs> That's right. So what did Taylor say when Daddy walks out? So anyway, so I look down. I'm like, oh god, I got like two drips on my pants. <laughs> and so I walk over. I walk over to the sink and I like. I put water on my hands and, like, thrush it on my shirt to make it look like it came from when I washed my hands or something. <laughs> I've never thought about faking it. Okay. <laughs> so, so I walk back out. She's waiting on me at the entrance to the to the cafeteria. There's there's a 200 kids in the cafeteria, and uh, – a tenth of that is teachers, so probably 20 teachers are in the lunchroom when I walk back in. And I walk back in, and so Taylor said, I mean, just the loudest she could, she's like, Daddy, did you pee on yourself? I was like, oh, my God. I was already trying you know, to try to make it unnoticeable. You know, most of the time you go in a restroom, they have a blower. You can get up under the blower and dry it out real quick if that happens. But no blower here. I, I tried yeah, the fan motion with up, the hand. It... I tried the <laughs> fan motion with the hand. I tried the the uh, the wave motion of pulling my pants and you know up and down to try to dry it out. It nothing happened, man. That, talk about embarrassed. Oh my god. <laughs> And you're six foot six, so those little low tables in that elementary school, you couldn't crawl <laughs> under one to hide if you don't wanted to. Oh, oh I thought you were going to say that everybody was at eye level <laughs> with my crotch. Well, that's true, too. But... Oh, man, that is hilarious. That's probably way uh, TMI, way too much information for our listeners, but that that was... uh. Hey, everything that happens to our listeners in everyday life, it happens to us. Maybe sometimes worse to me, but just because of who I am. No doubt about it, buddy. Well, man, I've had a lot of fun today. It's been kind of cool, just you and I today. And, you know, Tony was a great guest. Um, next week, it'll probably be a little later in the week, I'll be back on here with Tony. Uh, hopefully Josh will be rejoining us then, or Jake, uh, because he also lives out west. And we're going to take you to another destination somewhere in the Pacific or Central Flyways, give you a little more information. Once again, Alaska, they tell me, is phenomenal. I've personally hunted with Tony, not in Alaska, but Utah. Know this guy. I've vetted him very, very thoroughly. And uh, if it's a place you want to go, you know, we gave you some exposure to that today. Next week, we're going to take you to another place uh, here in the United States. Before we, I close it out, Rocky, any closing thoughts? No. I, I think the the the, uh, the dribble effect on my pants closed it out good enough for me. Amen. <laughs> and my last word, once again, is remember, guys, no matter how much you wiggle and dance, the last drop always falls on your pants. <laughs> what a saying. Yeah, you can use that one. So can everybody else out there. Well, man, thanks so much for joining us. Come back next week when we take you to another locale during the On Next podcast powered by DuckSouth.com. <laughs>